Good morning, and welcome to Ask the Pro, a paid commercial program. The opinions expressed are those of the participating clients and not necessarily those of the management and staff of WLVL. Ask the Pro is an informational-based program designed to advertise the product and or service of the client and to introduce them to the WLVL listening audience. Your questions and comments are welcome throughout the show. Just call 716-433-1433. And good morning. Today is October 13th. It's a Friday. And you are listening to Ask the Pro here on WLVL 1340 AM, streaming worldwide at WLVL.com. My name is Eric Cook, and I am pleased to say that I have in studio with me my friend, Dr. Ken Kerbs from Kerbs Family Chiropractic and Wellness, and his uh, practice is located at 741 Davison Road here in Lockport. And I'd just like to say good morning to you, Dr. Kerbs. I'm so happy you could uh, make it this morning. Good morning, Eric. I'm here and ready to go. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So we were talking just just before uh, we got on the air. And uh, you said that your daughter is in town. Yes. So for a lot of people know, understand my situation, but my oldest daughter, Olivia, um, who lives in Bangkok, Thailand, for the last seven years, um, is currently back in the U.S. of A. and in Lockport, New York. Nice. Now, is she here for a... She's here for three weeks. For three weeks, yeah. So, I mean, this is her break. She works... uh, She's a a teacher and administrator in a a Thai school, Mm -hmm. and so their school years are very different different their school years go from may 1st to february 28th that's the school year so they have their summer breaks are in march and april and their mid-year break is in october so it's kind of very different it is indeed yeah very different well i'm sure the, so, the, the weather is very different over there um, yeah as a matter of fact she's quite relieved being home now these cooler temperatures are quite relieving because you know a cold day in thailand is if it drops below 80 it's cold I mean, people People literally, if it goes into the 70s, Thai children will wear winter coats like we do here. I mean, the same thickness and heaviness right. because they're, they're freezing cold. Sure. Um, you know, they're so acclimated to that very high temperature. You right. know, a normal day is 90 plus, you know, with high humidity. And so it's a, it's a very different feeling. So it's kind of a relief, you know, to come home for a little bit and kind of bask in the coolness. Although we start complaining because it's getting cold. <laughs> She's quite relieved with, with that. So it's kind of nice. Yes, and how about her man? He's in Canada. Is he, um, he is no, he's in he's in Thailand because again, she works for a Thai school. He works for an international school. I see. Okay, so his school year uh, follows along with like U.S. school year. So I they see. have June and July off as their summer break, three weeks off at Christmas. So that's become the last two years have been a little bit of a struggle for them in the fact that they can't come home together they have to go home separately Uh, but yeah but he's from winnipeg manitoba right and so he was home this summer he came down and visited my wife and i for four or five days and um you know it was nice it it, was a nice balance so absolutely yeah it's that's great that you can have family it's 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 wonderful having your home but of course it's a distraction for me so um i realized um (laughs) quite quite later this morning it's like oh my god i go on the air in 15 minutes i better get my button gear so here i am well, you made it by yes. golly, and here we are, yes. ladies and gentlemen. If you would like to join our conversation with Dr. Ken, feel free to call at any point in time at 433-1433. We always welcome your questions, your comments, your thoughts, your concerns on whatever topic uh, gets brought up, or if you want to bring a topic up, that's fine as well. Dr. Ken is prepared for whatever you got. So. Yeah. 
So just bring it on, 433-1433. So I see you brought some literature with you this morning, I have some Doctor. stuff, and I, I can go in two very different directions, and I just I just don't know which way I want to go yet. Um, so the thing is, you know, obviously we're always open for calls and comments here, so, you know, feel free to do that. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into, you know, so many people have incredible misunderstandings about chiropractic and what we do and why we do what we do. Um, it's not just about back pain and neck pain, okay? It's not just about, you know, adults. It's about, you know, from from birth to death. And, you know, we deal specifically with the central nervous system. And, you know, I just completed a book. Um, it's called Contemporary Chiropractic Philosophy by uh, Dr. Um, David Cook. And Dr. Cook, actually, I didn't realize this until I finished the book and I was talking to my daughter, Hannah, who is now Dr. Hannah Kerbs, practicing in Providence, Rhode Island, um, that actually Dr. Cook was her, one of her professors, you know, while she was in school. I didn't know him. We went to, her and I went to different schools, so I didn't know him, but I was, you know, I was telling her about this awesome book I was reading. And so she goes, Dad, he was my professor, you know? So I'm going, she goes, I know him quite well, you know? So it was really kind of interesting because it just put a whole new perspective you know, onto me. And so I just wanted to share his introduction to his book. It's only a couple pages long, but you know, it'll take me a few minutes to read it. But it's interesting in a perspective of so first of all, I was not introduced to chiropractic until I went to school. So it was uh forty three years ago that I was introduced to chiropractic and have been under regular care since that point. Um, the perspective of my children is my children started chiropractic care on day one of the day they were born. They were checked and have been under regular care through their entire lives, you know. And so Dr. Cook is in a similar situation, you know, where where he began chiropractic care at the age of two years old and has been through his, his entire life. So so it's interesting when you think of it from that perspective. But this is his words, not mine. But so much of it correlates to exactly what I do and how I practice and what we do. Okay, really. This he has been a practicing chiropractor for over forty years, and also an a, you know a, a university professor and um, administrator. So okay, so this is from the Contemporary Chiropractic Philosophy by David Cook in his introduction. It says, for the last fifty four years, ever since I was two years old. I have been participating in what might be called a living experiment. As a child, my participation was involuntary. Later, when I became an adult, the experiment itself demanded that I make a conscious choice whether or not and on what terms I would be willing to continue participating. I chose to do so. The expected outcome of this living experiment involved my own physical, mental, social, even spiritual state of being over my entire lifetime. As with any experiment, there has been a control group consisting of almost all of my peers. Actually, the control group could be said to include an entire world full of my fellow human beings, most of the world's population, either through a lack of awareness or access or even occasionally through a conscious choice, have opted out of my particular experiment. They have been participating mostly by default in another vastly more common state of being experiment, which I would characterize as never having had their spines checked and adjusted if necessary by a chiropractor. I use this vocabulary and make this distinction because my living experiment, as all experiments, must involve a variable, and that variable is being under lifetime chiropractic care. The course of this lifelong experiment has been 
as it is most as it's most profound the experience of living in a state of being that is in consequence of getting my spine checked regularly and adjusted as needed along the way i also chose to pursue a career as a chiropractor and chiropractic educator this introduced another layer of my ongoing life experience experiment Namely, the rather odd and most interesting perspective of being both the experimenter and a subject of the same experiment. I remember very clearly in an in, in an internal experience I had in my student days at Sherman College in the late 1970s. While studying chiropractic philosophy, we were exploring the traditional principles that form the basic metaphor for how chiropractic actually works to help people recover, recreate their own health from within. We heard things like, Quote, chiropractic gets sick people well and keeps well people well because the power that made the body heals the body. We were challenged to consider that if the relative if the relative simple act of well-timed and well-placed chiropractic adjustments could elicit such a profoundly life-changing response from an individual who had already lost his or her health and was sick or dying, how much more potent, constructive, and appropriate would it be to adjust the vertebral subluxations as soon as they appear, thus allowing individuals and families to live years of greater health and vitality rather than recover from years of maladaptation and incoordination. As Dr. Reggie Gold put it, I got sick and tired of my patients coming into my office to get well and leaving their families at home to get sick. Participating in class discussions and reading Stevenson's chiropractic textbook, I was first introduced to and started to become familiar with chiropractic's 33 principles. As I absorbed the ideas that these principles embodied, I realized that they formed the basic substance of a part of my being which was fundamentally different from most of my peers. In fact, it was the very difference that caused me to actually view my life as an experiment and myself as the lab rat. The sensation of consciously examining the very concepts that formed a large part of, the, of here to therefore unconscious basis of my worldview actually made me my physic, physically made my physically dizzy. I remember feeling like my thoughts on carpetic philosophy were a whirlwind within my own head. Later, as the whirlwind slowed a little, I started to sort these ideas out. I came to realize that these principles also formed a distinct element of the experiment itself. Collectively, they form the basic metaphysical hypothesis of my chiropractic life. Simply put, the underlying metaphysical question of my life as someone who has had ongoing chiropractic care for the location, analysis, and adjustment as needed of verbal subluxations throughout life is how can something as simple and undramatic as a chiropractic spinal adjustment, given when and where needed, possesses the potential to cause profound and dramatic changes in a person's health and thereby have such a life-altering impact on people's lives. How can it be that generation after generation of people, many starting from an attitude of extreme skepticism, have come to view ongoing chiropractic care as one of the very pillars of a healthy state of being? As a student, I saw this question emerge from the whirlwind of my mind as a central metaphysical issue of the professional vision I was drawn to, namely offering chiropractic care to people as an important and necessary element of life of optimal health and vitality. In the resonance I felt with this chiropractic perspective, I recognized that like most chiropractic students, I was simply seeing chiropractic through the prism of my own experience of lifelong chiropractic care. 
but considering that lifelong chiropractic to care for everyone would include chiropractic to care for anyone from for whom a timely chiropractic adjustment might have value in an episode intervention. This perspective seemed then and still seems today like the most potentially beneficial, economical, and effective approach to what chiropractic as a profession could do. As a chiropractic educator, I soon discovered that the very question that had emerged as the central issue in my mind when I was a student was also the most pressing question I I was being asked to explore with my students, except that in their case, as it was with me as a practicing chiropractor, the significance of the question was not, why can the adjustment have such an impact on my own life? Rather, it was, why does such a little thing that I can do for another person have the potential to elicit such a powerful, often unpredictable, sometimes overwhelming response from them? After all, a single chiropractic adjustment isn't really that involved in interaction. It doesn't take a lot of time or require a lot of energy to accomplish. It doesn't even require that the chiropractic necessarily understands how the person he or she is adjusting is going to react to the adjustment or that the person receiving the adjustment even understands what is happening. How can these things occur? What power or potential does the adjustment allow the person receiving it to tap in into within himself or herself? With students, the question of the source of the potential power of the spinal adjustment upon which we're asking them to build their professional career becomes a question of trust, as well as one of intellectual curiosity. To the fledgling chiropractor, chiropractic basic principles seem to suggest that, contrary to the prevailing health care paradigm in which patients are asked to trust the doctor or the surgeon or the procedure or the drug or even the pharmaceutical company itself, in fact to trust virtually anyone but themselves for their cure. The chiropractor has the actual, actually trust has to actually trust the patient and more specifically the patient's own body for the solution to the patient's problem. This means that the source of the potential power of the spinal adjustment lies not with the adjustment thrust from the chiro- that the chiropractor delivers, but with the ability of the persons receiving the adjustments thrust both to make the actual adjustment itself and to create health within his or her own body. Where before there was incoordination, dysfunction, and maladaptation, in other words, the chiropractor has has to give up his or her power over the other person's life in order to facilitate and maximize the expression of that person's own natural ability to control, regulate, create, adapt, evolve, and recreate or heal or repair him or herself. Actually, the chiropractor has trusted and worked with the natural ability referred to as the body's innate intelligence since its inception. This can be a difficult attitudinal transition for anyone, and especially for students to make. As a society, we are so completely immersed in the attitude that disease and symptoms are enemies to be fought that we often find ourselves fighting not only against the microbial environment in which we live and which lives within us, but also against our own bodies, best efforts to function and adapt effectively and efficiently in relationship to the environment. This is particularly true when the body's adaptive efforts and strategies involve the unusual and uncomfortable states of being we think of as symptoms. Yet we really know that we cannot ultimately win in an all-out war with our microbial neighbors. Even today, we are seeing them, the microbes, get stronger as we get weaker. 
The noted French MD microbiologist René Dubois perhaps said it best when he pointed out that all a microbial infection really demonstrates is that there has been a failure of negotiation between man and the microbial world, and we only compound the problem when we fight against, suppress, and deny our own body's adaptive responses. Then, right into the middle of this warfare mentality, along comes chiropractic's basic principles, suggesting that maybe people don't really need to find and hire better disease fighters. Maybe they need to become better self-healers. Could chiropractic really be saying that people struggling to adapt to the challenges of living actually need to put more trust in the inborn wisdom or innate intelligence of life itself and in the body's ability to heal itself in its own way and at its own pace than in the entire resources of the medical profession acting as hired guns ready to do battle with their diseases can the student accept that putting complete unqualified trust in the patient's own innate intelligence to do the real work at hand to meet the adaptive challenge to fight the immunological fight to reconstruct the damage and, and broken body is a reasonable attitude to entertain can the practicing chiropractor responsibly claim that as a consequence of a simple but thorough spinal examination for vertebral subluxation and the delivery of a spinal adjustments when and where they are needed, a newborn may thrive instead of just survive. An athlete may run faster, jump higher, maybe even win the gold medal instead of the silver. A person fighting his or for his or her life with a malignant tumor growing within may be able to fight just a little harder and astound the medical profession with yet another unexpected spontaneous remission. Can we better help meet humanity's needs for being quiet, humble, change agents for health, rather than warrior champions on the battlefield of disease? Sometimes this can truly be a difficult transition to make. As Dr. D.D. Palmer put in 1910, there would those who expect to put in a lifelong combating combating disease, fighting the entrance of disease as though it was an enemy with hostile intent, should not learn chiropractic. It is very difficult to change a medical warrior into a peaceful chiropractor. As I said, there was a whirlwind in my head. For me, the answer to these questions and many others that I had about the the very life I was living lay in my exploration and clear understanding of what these basic chiropractic principles meant and implied. For me, the justification of the trust I placed in my own body's natural wisdom and capacity for self-creation, self-maintenance, self-repair, and self-evolution, and that I was proposing others, both my students and my patients, should place in themselves and their own capacities, was embodied in these principles that I read in Stevenson's chiropractic textbook, and lectured on, and thought about, and examined for their meaningfulness. For me, the vision that formed in my mind, and that I hold to this day, of a world in, in which someday, probably not within my own lifetime, but perhaps within the foreseeable future of the human species, every human being might have the opportunity to choose to live the life experiment that I was living, emerge from the simple assumption and conclusion that constituted what I had learned and have taught in, as chiropractic philosophy. Now it has become my responsibility to try and help pass on these fertile and formative ideas that I have found to be so rich in meaning and so trustworthy to others. I do not propose that I have understood them where others have not or that my reasoned information, re reformulation of them or my explanations of their many meanings are better or more important than those of others who have sought to further illuminate them and spread the message they hold. 
but I do propose to help to deepen their impact by improving their structure and form through my own best effort at a rigorous critical analysis of their conceptual content and willingness to update the very words. Ordering and logical consistency that give these principles their meaning and therefore their meaningfulness and usefulness. To those of us who will ultimately succeed or fail in our life experiment involving that the state of being attainable only through a lifelong commitment to living chiropractic lives ourselves and bringing the chiropractic care to others. Okay? What a powerful testimony. Yeah. Amazing. You know, and and that's the thing that, you know, that I, I wanted to share that because people don't understand where it is that we actually come from. Right. You know, and so did we have a call? We do. Let's yeah, let's grab see that and, and see where good, we're Good morning, caller. You are on the air with Dr. Ken Curves. What is your thought or comment or question, please? Good morning. I have a question. How would you t- uh, treat a patient with shingles? Okay, so, so the thing, as a chiropractor, you're not treating the disease quote shingles okay but again right. shingles shingles realizes is caused by the by the virus herpes zoster which is the same same virus that causes chicken pox right. it's a later you know once you attain that virus it stays in your system in a in a weakened state you know a person can that that virus can be resurfaced and in the form yep. of shingles okay so years ago okay. many years ago like Three thirty years ago, before the quote shingles shot was in there, you know, kids were exposed to chicken pox, got chicken pox, and developed the immunity. And then you used to see, you know, every year, couple years, you know, a, a, a wave of chicken pox would go through and a bunch of kids would get it and all this stuff. But while that was happening, also adults were constantly being exposed to the virus, therefore, again, strengthening their immune systems. Well, 30 plus years ago, they introduced the shingles or the uh, chicken pox vaccine for children and they suppressed the wild transmission of of chicken pox around so that now all of a sudden you're starting to see much younger adults you know where shingles used to be a disease of the elderly because they were never they weren't exposed to children nearly as much to to the exposure of the chicken pox so now you're seeing many many more adults of all varying ages coming out with shingles so the point right. is from a chiropractic standpoint I'm not treating the shingles what I'm treating right. is that central nervous system to remove the interference so that that body can function at its appropriate level so that it then can strengthen the immune system and therefore make a person more resistant. There's no gear, there's no magic um, adjustment that a chiropractor has that can get rid right. of shingles. But I know that when I've treated people with shingles, when they have an active state, that they do function better and get through it quicker. When a person is okay. in it, it can be it can be pretty brutal and different. And people react from mild cases to very very severe cases and about five percent of the population actually never gets rid of the neurologic pain associated with that and that's again because of their weakened immune system so yeah it's not about treating the shingle it's about treating the person you know with the interference within the system yeah i had shingles about five years ago yeah and the area in my back still is itchy off and on yeah is that common yeah it's not uncommon um how old are you I'm uh, 69, so I yeah. had when I was 64. Yeah, you're in that you're 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 that you're that prime category. This is when you're seeing it happening, you know. Um, and so what happens is now, you know, now our healthcare system says, well, you know, you should all get a shingle shot. Well, you know what? If we would have been naturally exposed throughout our lifetimes, like 
it was for millennia, um, we wouldn't have these problems or have these needs. So they had to develop the shingle shot because they weren't allowing children to, you know, have the chicken pox and allow people to right. be to properly exposed as nature as nature had planned it. So yeah, it is not uncommon because again, remember when 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 chicken pox. So first of all, chicken pox is a systemic virus through the body. Okay, when when yeah. it when it reappears as shingles, it is it usually affects only one side of the body, and it usually affects what's called a dermatomal level or a nerve root level. So people will see a rash or the shingles develop on just one side of the body, and in a very specific, almost like a strip you know across whether it be across their back across their chest it can it can form in different areas depending on which dermatomal level it's expressed at so so the thing is is that that can leave that area very sensitive afterwards because again there was nerve damage done as a result of that viral attack you know so so the fact that you have some itchiness or sensation there that's that's minor some people a very small percentage of the people will never get rid of the pain it just stays there and it's it's quite um it it's quite taxing on them you know it's a, it's a very okay. deep pain so yeah okay yes yeah okay well thank you for the information you're welcome you're welcome thank okay. you so much Bye-bye. yep take care yeah what a, what a torturous disease it is it's not fun and and the problem is they literally created this whole problem because of what they did 30 plus years ago let's go to the next call good morning caller you are on the air with dr ken Kerr. good morning good morning morning doctor yeah in September, you know, it came out in the news that while Dr. Fauci was in charge of the COVID pandemic, his net worth increased $2 million. <laughs> it's up to $11 million now, they said, in 2023. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, he was um, getting like 400000 uh, <coughs> uh, salary. Yeah. He, uh, he's retired. He's uh, the highest paid works. political, he's the highest paid government official of anybody. Yeah. Well, so. his wife got 175000 working at NIH. Did she retire or is she still working I there? do I not know. know. That's that's very interesting because, again, she does not go by Fauci. She goes by a different name. And so a lot of people but never I knew wonder the connection. Why <laughs> yeah, I never knew the connection between the two organizations that they both have incredible power over. So, yeah. Well, yeah, there was great uh, conflict of interest there. Incredible. Incredible. Well, also in, in September now, this was in the uh, New York uh, Post, CIA tried to pay off analysis to bury findings that COVID lab leak was likely. Yeah. This is a summary of, of the article. Right. The Central Intelligence Agency offered to pay off analysis in order to bury their findings that COVID-19 most likely leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. New whistleblower testimony to Congress alleges. Yeah. A senior level CIA officer told House committee leaders that his agency tried to pay off six analysis who found SARS-CoV-2 likely originated in a Wuhan lab if they changed their position and said that the virus jumped from animals to humans. Now, why would the CIA be involved in this? Unless they're the ones that initiate the it's, research. It's a, it's a really, it's a much bigger situation than we see it is. And and at this point, you know, we're, we're three plus years past this situation right now. And if you think, you know, if people can still believe that situation with all the evidence coming out now you're crazy i mean this thing was this thing was generated this thing was not a crossover from nature coincidental that now that was like in the middle of september you hear nothing about it now like it was everything was buried yep 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't want any... You any- know, it's interesting because, you know, when I started this program today, I was torn on which direction to go with this, and I went into the, you know, a little bit background about, you know, chiropractic philosophy. But the article I have um, that, I, that I also was going to share, and it's called The New Book Reveals the Uncensored History of AIDS. And when you look at AIDS from back in the 80s and you see how intimately involved Anthony Fauci was um, in that entire situation, you know, you'll see, you know, how these incredible... Incredible um, coincidences occur. There was nothing coincidental about it. There were very intentional uh, moves made apart. You know, I always thought that our, you know, our government, our healthcare system was designed to make life better for us. And and in fact, when you look at what's happening, and you look at what happened back in, and hopefully, I don't know if I'm going to have time today to, to read this article, but. When you look back at this this history of AIDS and see how intimately involved he was, um, it's something that you people need to start waking up and paying attention. People not need to start speaking up. This is insane what's going on and what's being allowed to go on, and how very small factions of society are controlling this entire narrative. Um, and it's not it's it's above even government. You know that there are specific. Um, specific people out there that want to control oh, what's going on. The United States national security, that's why we can't look into it. Right, right. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, national security and yet we're destroying we're destroying people's lives um, because of it, quote the secrets or also in, in September as in the Buffalo News our Hochul urges New Yorkers to get new vaccine as COVID cases rise. Of course she does. At everyone six months and older. Yeah. And, and this is what she what she said. Noting last fall, many people didn't get the booster made available then. Nationwide, only about 20% of American adults got the bivalent booster, yep. booster a year ago. Yep. It Do said you, previous vaccines and prior exposure to the virus is not protecting you, you today. Now, wait a minute. They're, they're, she's, she's <laughs> saying there's no natural immunity in your body right they're they're contradicting the contradictions that they keep making they just you know what i said this in the very beginning when they started establishing the covid vaccine i said this is going to be a forever thing and this is exactly what's happened they're going to do it every year now it's going to be get your flu shot, get your COVID shot, get your pneumonia shot, get your shingle shot, get whatever. You know, they are developing, quote, the adult vaccine schedule as they it used to be only a childhood vaccine schedule. You know, then we came into the flu shot and now we're adding we're now up to four different vaccines for adults on a yearly basis when they know that these viruses mutate on an ongoing basis and in order to determine which virus is going to be prominent they have to determine that way ahead of time and yet that may not be the prominent um, strain or variant at the time when things kick up you are well, always not- going to have a flu season you're always going to have these things and yet you know we've I've said this in previous shows you know the overall success rate of the flu vaccine in over 20 years and this is prior to covid the success rate was 14% you know on average and 22% was the highest um, of any one particular year so those aren't really good odds for preventing that and how do you know that if you got a flu shot that you didn't get the flu when so many people who never got the flu shot didn't get the flu what's the you know what's the what's the chances okay was i protected and you weren't you know the same things happening with covid you know they came out with no natural immunity and then all of a sudden natural immunity was okay and now when we're boosting up the push forward to um to vaccinate and to booster now we're saying the natural immunity isn't good. Um, when when you start looking at so much of the data and research coming out is all the incredible side effects and detrimental effects that right. people well, are that's having. Something, so. Like I said, 
they gave a statistic from New York Times. Only 20% got the booster. Now, now coming out, again, you're hearing this. Oh, the, the bothersome side effects means the vaccine is working. Yeah. Wait a minute. That means that that's a foreign uh, subject object in your body your body's trying to fight it right isn't that right right yes and and you know this is the thing how many people and i see this in my practice i always ask when somebody quote tests positive for covid i say were you vaccinated or were you not and the overwhelming majority have been fully vaccinated so why are you still getting this why are you testing positive why are you getting this you know that this this vaccination is supposed to protect you we don't have enough evidence out there to state that it does or it doesn't you know so you know you wonder why people are questioning you wonder why 80% aren't getting the boosters and only 20% are because there are people that just no matter what you say they won't in any way look into it themselves they'll just say well my doctor said it well you know what that's what that's what the medical profession is designed to do is to push the pharmaceutical people are going agenda with common sense like how many got got these right um, how many people you talk to have got these shots and get terrible side effects yeah. and they don't want to do it again right exactly I know it's a it's and, a and like it's said, a personal choice, but I think I think appropriate information should be given, not just you know just say it because I said so. Okay, you know you need to for me to do something, boy, you better be backing it up with some evidence. You better be proving to me that first of all, it is as they've said for the last four years, it's safe and effective. Well, you know what? Stats have shown that it's not safe and effective. Stats have shown that there's been significant side effects, life altering side effects. You know, deaths as a direct result of this. So it's like, please don't tell me it's safe and effective because it's not proven to be so. Well, that's what Governor Hope keeps saying. Safe and effective. Yeah, well, she's a, she's a paid well, shill too with the whole thing too. She's you know right. she's she she's got to go along with the agenda because you know she wants to get reelected, and that's 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 the political push. You know, as if she has some medical authority, she's just got some you know pharmaceutical and medical people telling her what to say. But very few people you talk to who, who who've got the COVID shot, either the, even the initial one and boosters, can tell you they had no side effects. Very few. Yep. I just had a, a patient of mine yesterday in my office came in and she goes, oh, you got to be careful. My arms are really, really sore. Now, she's in her early 80s. And I said, well, what's wrong? She goes, well, I got a COVID shot in one arm and a, and a flu shot in the other arm yesterday. It's like, wow. Okay. Well, but they don't, consider, they, they don't consider that a reaction. The fact is that she had a difficult time lifting her arms and, and had a difficult time laying on her side because it put pressure on her arm. But that's not a reaction. Okay. Well, yeah, it, it's it's working the shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Again, I know. you know, they want you to do these three shots at once: the COVID, the yep. flu, and and what the RSV. RSV. Yep. I mean, have they studied this seven years? What the what the results of these three at once are? No need to. <laughs> In their minds, no need to. Hey, listen, they'll give they'll give children four to eight vaccines in one in one visit. Okay, you know, and yet, and yet they say, oh, it's, it's perfectly safe and effective. You know, I just what's well, going to happen 20, 30 years from yeah. now. You know, I, as I was telling, you know, I, I've, this patient I talked to yesterday, I told her, I says, I says, tell me something. When you were a child, how many vaccinations did you get? She goes, well, only a couple because that was all there was. I says, well, you realize in 1986, the, the, the vaccine schedule was 14 vaccinations from a child's um, birth to 18 years old. And she was shocked. She goes, 14? She, she was amazed that it was that many. And I'm going, like, do you know what the vaccine schedule is today? Because in 1986, they changed the law removing all uh, liability on the doctor or the vaccine manufacturer if somebody was injured or damaged as a result of the vaccination. She goes, no, how many? I go, it's 72. She couldn't, she couldn't, she didn't even know what to say. 
she thought 14 was too much but the current schedule is 72 you know so it's like really you 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 wonder where is where you know are we and and are we healthier today than you know you look at children today we have this unbelievable overwhelming education issue with kids who are having all kinds of neurodevelopmental diseases and all kinds of learning disabilities and all kinds of issues going on that you know you saw kids with that 40 and 50 years ago but nothing to the degree that you see it now the autism rates from went from one in 10,000 to one in 45 currently you know you see these dramatic changes and they'll always say well it's because we better diagnose it's like no I'm telling you something there's no question when you see a child who is fully autistic there's no question about the diagnosis okay it's not a, it's not a questionable thing it's it's very obvious um, one and, last thing I want to ask you doctor yeah I've heard this about I think it's about chiropractic too they want an initial upfront $2,000 payment to enable you to get an appointment with a, with a medical doctor. Have you heard anything about that? No, I don't, no, I don't understand. What do you mean? Well, they, they, I, oh, I forgot the name of it. It was in the news as far as, I think they said one, one was a chiropractor because, you know, it's so hard to get, for the privilege of getting an appointment with a medical doctor because there's so few Everyone has to pay two thousand dollars to get in in the group, so to speak. Yeah. So well, now sometimes now there are there is a trend in in medicine now to these doctors that are stepping out of the insurance model where they're doing these like what I call a like a. I don't know, like a boutique medical practice where they won't deal with insurance anymore, so you have to pay out of pocket. Um, so yeah, that's a choice people make to do that. So there, oh, I know that those are situations about. where there are some practitioners going that route because they are so incredibly frustrated with the totally broken system of the pharmaceutical industry and the insurance industry. You know that they've they've stepped out of that. So many doctors have left the profession because it's just a nightmare to deal with that. Well, I know because the doctor I have, he had a private practice. Then, then he went into a, one of these medical. medical yeah. Oh, groups. that's that's happening it's, all the it's time. Not the same. Yeah, it's, that's what's happening all the time. What's happening is it's happening in the dental profession. It's happening in the veterinary profession. It's happening in the medical profession, where these corporations are buying out these medical practices, and then the the doctor who was the private practitioner has become the employee. They tell them how the, many minutes they can see. Yeah, a absolutely. And they also and they, they also double you, bill. I remember taking my son. Years ago to a urologist who I thought was a private practitioner, and I got double billed, and I called him. I says, what is going on? He goes, well, well, that's that's the doctor's charge. And then because he works for the hospital, there's a hospital charge, and it was double billed. I'm going, like, that should kind of be illegal, but yet they do it all the time because now you've got separate billing of the facility and the doctor, which was a total misunderstanding, and there was nothing you could do. It's like, you, I said, that is ridiculous. They Absolutely also tell you, if you're at an appointment now, for a certain thing, say about say about high blood pressure, you can't bring up another another yep. medical. Oh, I know. You have to I make know. a new appointment. <laughs> I know. I know. Yep. If you know, if your right finger hurts, and that's what your appointment is for, heaven forbid. If your if your you know little finger hurts, you can't. They won't deal with it. You know that there's something seriously wrong about our healthcare system that's doing that. You know. Okay. Thank you, Doctor. You're good welcome. Always good talking to you. You take care. Yeah. 
It's incredibly frustrating, you know, to see those kind of things happening. Um, you know, I don't know, a patient comes into my office and we discuss all that's going on, you know, so that we can address it all, you know. And, yeah, sometimes it takes a little bit longer than others, you know. But, I mean, we try to keep the flow going and try to address the, the person as a human being, not as their particular body part. And that's what's happened, you know. You know, 50, 60 years ago, when you had the, quote, general practitioner, uh, before all the specialties evolved, you know, the doctor took care of the person from birth to death for all the conditions. Now we have, you know, we have the guy who takes care of your ears, eyes, nose, and throat. We have the guy that takes care of your, you know, your feet. We have the guy that takes care of your, you know, your uh, obstetric issues. You know, you have the guy that takes care of your heart. Each body part has been divided up into their particular specialty. And people forget that there's an entire system that works together, you know, that we look at. And this is where chiropractic has still stayed true to their philosophical basis. The central nervous system is what controls that all. And what my job is is to determine where is the interference within that system to remove that interference to allow that person to function at a much higher appropriate level the way they should to allow their body to heal themselves. Because in chiropractic, we always talk about above, down, inside, out, meaning that as we were created by whoever, whatever your belief system is, is that the creation of humans came from above down and that we heal from inside outwardly. So the doctor giving you the pillar potient is an outside-in approach, meaning you know they need to attack the, quote, disease with a chemical or a weapon, when in fact, if you can just remove the interference within that person's system that was creating that situation, that they would be allowed or able to heal from within. And that's why you'll see people many times, I know in chiropractic, in my 40-year career, you know, they have what's called spontaneous remissions. It's like all of a sudden, their problem's clear. Was it miraculous? No. It was about removing the interference or the cause of what was creating the problem, and the person recovered. Okay? And you see people have amazing, amazing recoveries as a direct result of that when it is determined appropriately where it is, and it is removed appropriately, things will start changing and turning around. You know, and that's what chiropractic is. And so when this Dr. Cook that I was reading earlier, you know, talked about his experiment because he was two years old when he began care, you know, I've conducted the experiment with my five children from day one. And when you look at, you know, people, somebody said this to me yesterday, they go, oh, you're so lucky. I go, you do not get lucky five times in a row. You know, but the fact that my children are incredibly healthy, you know, that there has been little to no medical interventions within their lives. I know just for my son, who's the oldest, has never had a drug in his body ever in his life, even something as simple as over-the-counter ibuprofen or Tylenol, ever, you know. So, so please don't tell me that it's just luck. There is an intention there, you know, that when someone is under lifelong care, that you remove the interference and keep the system in a balanced state as best you can. But again, it takes a dual participation, the chiropractor to determine and remove the interference, but the person to follow through and have that checked with a regularity, not waiting till you fall apart. So many times, I still, this many years into my practice, most people approach to me, you know, come to me because they have literally fallen apart. And they want me to put the pieces back together again. But you know what? There's been many people over the years that finally get it and realize that, you know what? Even when I feel good, if I go in and get checked periodically, I always feel good. I don't go back into those states. And that's really the key behind what it is on a long-term basis. It's not about the – I mean, I've seen miraculous, magical things happen as a result of adjustments. 
but what I see mostly is, you know, I have a very large um, percentage of people in my practice that are, you know, in their upper 80s and their 90s. My, I have, you know, my oldest patients currently are, I have a number of them that are 95, you know, and still functioning mentally and physically. You know, so, you know, how many people are getting to that point when right now our, our average life expectancy is still only in the upper 70s, and yet human bodies are designed to live to be 120 years old? You know, it doesn't make sense. Why are we dying, not only young, but why are we dying literally falling apart? You know, it's a choice, you know, and when people start understanding it's a choice, it's like, make whichever choice you want. You know, you want to, you know, do all the things that society tells you should do, you know, as far as eating or medication or drugs or whatever you want to do. You want to do that. That's fine. But you realize there are consequences to that. You know, you will pay the price for that. Just as if somebody were to eat clean and exercise appropriately and, you know, keep their mental thoughts in order and do what they're supposed to be doing and keeping their nervous systems clear of interference, there is a consequence for that. And it's usually a much higher quality and longer life. Okay? There's consequences. You know, either way, whichever you choose. And it is your choice. You know, I would never force a person or guilt them into, you know, feeling like they needed to do something. It's a choice, but it's about educating people appropriately so that they can make an informed choice, not just shoving it down their throats or mandating it. You know, what we talked about here in this short little talk I had at the beginning about the basis, you know, with chiropractic, you know, we saw it go through the entire pandemic. Everybody thought, oh, I got to get the vaccine because it's the only way it's going to save my life. How about changing your lifestyle a little bit? How about losing that extra 50 pounds you have sitting around your waist? You know, how about getting up and exercising? How about eating appropriately? How about, you know, getting the right nutrition and the appropriate vitamin D levels and all the things? In your body? How about doing that and then not worrying about it? I never worried about, you know, going through the pandemic. It never, never phased me, you know, because I understood what, what my body was going through. I was exposed to it time and time again and never had an issue with that situation. Does that mean I never would? No, it doesn't. But I know that I make conscious movements throughout my life to keep that balance within my system. You know, and I know that for me personally, I haven't had even as much as a cold in the last 40 years. You know, and yet I don't get flu vaccines every year. Or I don't do that stuff, okay? It's because I understand that I have the ability to do that. You know, as far as how I eat, how I exercise, how I deal with myself as far as my mental health, you know, how I deal with myself as chiropractic being my primary form of health care. You know, those are the things that have gotten me to the point that I've gotten to. You know, I'm seeing right now peers of mine. I have seen so many classmates of mine who are dying or are having. I mean, it's amazing to me that, you know, I'm in that age group now where people are just dropping off. And it's like, what are you doing? You're, you know, I think of myself as, God, I still on. I think I'm still going pretty strong here, you know? People say, when are you going to retire? I said, never thought about that. Why would I want to retire? Why would I want to do that? You know, as long as I am physically able and, you know, physically and mentally able, capable to do what I do, why would I ever stop doing that? Again, it's a choice. You know, make your choice. You know, some people hate their lives. They hate their jobs. They hate everything about themselves. Well, you know what? Again, it's a choice. You got yourself into that situation. In the reverse, you can get yourself out of that situation. Baby steps, take a little bit at a time, you know, make that decision, you know. I mean, I still deal with it every day, you know. 
You know, that's one thing that I've disciplined myself every morning as I get up, I exercise, I, I do specific reading to kind of get myself in the right mindset, you know, before I confront the day. It's a choice. You don't have to do that, you know. And yet, there's times I get real lazy, you know. Well, I have no problem kicking back on the couch and watching some Netflix movies and doing those things. I have no problem with doing that, but I keep it in perspective. That's not the way I spend my life. It's a choice, folks. It is a decision every day. It's a decision. Boy, what a great conversation this morning. Thank you so much, Dr. Kerbs. Thank you. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Dr. Ken Kerbs here on WLVL 1340 AM and on WLVL.com. If you missed any part of this programming, feel free to go to WLVL.com. Download the podcast that will be up uh, later on uh, this afternoon. And if you would like to have a consultation with a good doctor, feel free to call his office at 434-0671-434-0671. Of course, he is located at 741 Davison Road in Lockport. Final thoughts, Doc? You have about 15 seconds. Uh, like I said, the, the most famous saying I've said to my children in growing up their entire lives was, make good choices. And I say that to all of you out there, make good choices. It's up to you. No one can tell you what you need to do. Hey.